0: Love Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Moments with Maya. Conversations of love and laughter. The show where each week your host, social worker and certified humor professional, Maya Aziz, invites someone who is out there pushing the positive to join her for a heartfelt and often hilarious coffee conversation about love, laughter, leadership, and, well, life. Love and laughter might not cure what ails you, but they sure go a long way to getting you through those tough life moments. So sit back, pour yourself a cup, and get ready to laugh and learn today on Morning Moments. Look for the good. It is all around.
1: It's certain. Good morning, this is Maya coming to you live from Montreal this blustery, windy, windy day. Um, It hasn't stopped raining or uh, being windy for a few days now, but I have to say it does not phase us one bit here in the studio. I am on my second cup of coffee and cozied up and ready for what is going to be a wonderful conversation this morning on the topic of humor and gender, a topic that intrigues, puzzles, and I've got to tell you, kind of fires me up. As you know, I have a somewhat, what could probably be defined or diagnosed as a clinical obsession with comedy. And not surprisingly, a lot of my favorite comedy bits involve women, the genius of Lucille Ball in the chocolate factory scene, or Tig Notaro's infamous cancer set, which I've listened to I don't know how many times. Or Melissa Melissa McCarthy in, well, pretty much anything. But as much as my dream date would probably be a mimosa-fueled brunch with the likes of Tina, Amy, Kristen, and Mindy, I sometimes wonder if I might have been a 21-year-old frat boy in a previous life many of my favorite movies actually involve flashes of Will Ferrell's Naked Bum or Adam Sandler in a ridiculous wig just being an idiot. And when I am just simply looking for a hit of laughter, I will often go for someone like Dane Cook, who is hardly a champion of women, But I know he will always deliver the laugh for me. So, what does this say about me, anyways? Do men and women get their laugh on differently? How valid is the controversial notion that men are funnier than women? Wow, listeners, I have to tell you, I think I physically tensed up as I said that last sentence. And as a woman, you know, I was saying to our guests just before we went on the air, as a woman who is somewhat connected to this world of humor and comedy, I have a very emotional, knee-jerk reaction to this topic but I've got, I will admit, I am not sure at all if any of my reactions or my feelings are grounded in fact. So I am truly excited to have an expert in the field with me this morning to help answer some of these questions. John Morrill is a professor emeritus of religious studies at the College of William and Mary and is an international Re- internationally recognized expert on humor. He is the author of six books and over 70 articles on the subject and has been on the editorial board of Humor, the International Journal of Humor Research, since 1988, and is honorary president of the International Association for the Philosophy of Humor. In 2004 and five, he was elected President of the International Society for Humor Studies, who listeners, in case you didn't hear the wonderful news, are holding their annual conference right here in Montreal next July. Under the name HumorWorks, Dr. Morrill has addressed over 600 businesses and professional groups in the U.S., Canada, Europe, and Japan, including IBM, AT&T, and the Pennsylvania cooperative potato growers who I'm sure have much need for a sense of humor. His work has been featured in countless media outlets, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, Forbes, and The Economist. So how fortunate am I that he was able to take some time to join me this morning for this fascinating conversation on humor and gender. Dr. Morrill, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Maya. It's great to be with you.
1: I am very, very happy to have this conversation on what is kind of a a complex subject. But before we get into that, I have to ask you, how is it that a professor of religious studies, not usually a field that we associate with being fantastically funny, becomes an international expert on humor?
2: Well, when I was a young professor, I was teaching philosophy rather than religion, and I was at a very competitive university, and I knew I had to write a book if I wanted to get get tenure and stick around at university. So I wanted to do a topic that had been neglected. And all through my education, from kindergarten to grad school, I had gotten in a lot of trouble for my sense of humor. So I wanted to write uh, a justification of humor and why it's important and why it's valuable instead of why it's silly and foolish and stupid. So I did a book that, uh, that sold really well. It's been translated into Japanese and Turkish and a number of other languages. called Taking Laughter Seriously. And that book got me launched in this area. And once I had a couple of phone calls and a few articles in the newspaper, I was hooked. And I've been working on that subject for, well, over 30 years now.
1: So your, your interest and motivation came from a very personal place.
2: Exactly, yeah. I've always found <laughs> that humor is something that is valuable in a way nothing else is. I'll give you an example. Uh, i spent the last three days with a friend of mine who's probably got six months, maybe maybe a year to live. He's got pancreatic cancer. So four of his old buddies and I uh, from 40, 50 years ago, uh, we came into his town where he is, and we spent two days. And most of what we did, besides play poker, uh, most of what we did was just laugh and tell funny stories. And at the end of that two days, my friend was Clearly, doing much better. I, I bet it even his immune system is working better now.
1: Without a doubt, without a doubt, it's powerful, powerful stuff. Even in under circumstances like you just described, where we might not think there's a place for laughter, but uh, there often is. What a what a great uh, story! Thank you for sharing. So right. let's let's get to the crux of this. Okay, I'm going to sure. ask you this question that has been burning in my mind, which I have very emotional reactions to. Men are funnier than women, fact or fiction?
2: That is fiction, but it's an interest, there's an interesting history of that fiction. Uh, lots of studies have been done, mostly in psychology, uh, about men and women producing humor. In a typical way they do this is they take a cartoon and they remove the caption from the cartoon. Then they show it to a group of women or a group of men and they say, see if you can come up with a funny caption for this cartoon. On this kind of exercise, men and women do ex- just about exactly the same. Uh, so to produce humor uh, is a human ability, and women can do it as well as men. Similarly, in exercises where, you're, where you have to appreciate humor, you have to, you have to rank tunes or jokes for how funny they are, uh, both genders uh, come out just about exactly the same. So men and women don't have uh, different abilities in humor, but there's a different emphasis in our culture. Uh, Little boys are raised to be funny. If a five-year-old boy, for example, does a funny stunt, uh, say at Christmas time when all the relatives and friends are around, everybody laughs and they call him. He's a regular little entertainer. If a (laughs) five-year-old girl does the same kind of stunt, That's not so acceptable. She's not being ladylike. So little girls are raised to laugh at little boys' humor, but little boys are raised to produce the humor. So I call this being a humor producer versus being a humor consumer. Now, it doesn't have to be that way, but I think our culture, at least traditionally, has pushed boys to be funny and has pushed girls to appreciate boys' humor. A good place to see this is in dating. Uh, if you think back to your high school years and secondary school and, and, and on into university, uh, a girl who was producing a lot of humor, somehow that was, she was competing with the boys. So what boys look for, and a number of psychological studies have shown this, what men look for in a date, in a mate, uh, is, is somebody who will laugh at their stuff. What women tend to look for is uh, a male who will produce humor. Now, as I say, it doesn't have to be this way. And maybe as we get through the conversation, I can talk about some alternatives. But I think that's where the fiction came from, that men are funnier somehow.
1: It's interesting that you mention, um, you know, the, the example of sort of in college and, and in the dating world in college. Um, it's true, as I think back, uh, the women who were funny, and there are plenty of women who were funny. They became more sort of one of the boys than yes. the, one, the one who was seen as attractive. Uh, so it really right. did define their sort of place uh, differently. That's interesting. Right. So, uh, so you described – go idea. ahead. Yeah. Uh, An
2: observation, one of the people who's done the most studies of all this stuff is in the psychology department at the University of Western Ontario. His name is Rod Martin, and he's got a real nice quotation. He says, both sexes say that they want a sense of humor, but in our research, women interpreted this to mean somebody who makes me laugh, and men interpreted it to mean somebody who laughs at my jokes.
1: (laughs) That's great. That's great. But, but men themselves also want to laugh, right?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm, in, in saying that men like to produce the humor, very often it's in a social situation. Uh, lots of research has shown that humor is overwhelmingly a social event. Uh, one study, for example, showed that you're 38 times more likely to laugh when you're with others than when you're, say, by yourself. Even if you read a funny book or see a funny TV program, uh, if you're alone, you're much less likely to laugh. So men not only like to produce laughter, but they like to produce it in groups. They like to laugh with with other men and with women, of course.
1: Ah, interesting, interesting. There's so much that's sort of socially based about it, which is what's really interesting. Yes. You spoke before about um, the appreciation of humor um, and when you were describing men as being producers and women as, as you know, historically uh, being the ones who were seen to appreciate humor. Do men and women uh, appreciate different kinds of humor or different types of humor?
2: Yes, this is one of the most significant parts of all of this research. Um, men tend to appreciate Humor in which somebody is put down. So they tend to to appreciate humor that's competitive, uh, where Hmm. you score points on the other person. Uh, Physical humor is much more preferred by men. Practical jokes, which women probably uh, practically never engage in. Practical jokes are fun among uh, men. Let me give you an example. Uh, When my family and I lived in Florida, there was a, a, Terrible article in the newspaper about two guys who were working for the power company, and they were digging a trench for a new electric line. And one guy saw a piece of vine. It was fairly thick. It was about five feet long. And he he thought, oh, for a joke, I'll do this. He threw the vine up in, in the air to come down on his partner's head. And as it was coming oh, down, goodness. he yelled, "Snake!" Now Florida oh. has four, four kinds of poisonous snakes. The other guy. Went in, the other guy died of a heart attack Now That oh is something gosh. that you would, you would never imagine A woman doing uh, So men, <laughs> men are quite willing To mock others They're quite willing to tease Men are more likely to tease uh, And they're even willing to do things That cost the other person a lot of Time and trouble and maybe even their life In the case of this, uh, this Guy who played with the snake uh, Now what about women? Women tend to have A quite different style of humor Women for example Tend to be supportive And cooperative And compassionate in their humor The favorite style Of most women's humor Is a funny story About something that happened to them Or somebody that they care about Men are quite happy To engage in say Slapstick and jokes If I tell you a joke At the end of the joke, even if it's really funny, you don't know anything more about me than you did at the beginning. If I tell you Mm -hmm. in a female style a funny story about me and what happened to me, well, now you know something about me. So women tend to share personal feelings with each other through humor, and they tend to support other women. Let's say a woman comes out of the the bathroom and toilet paper is uh, trailing from her pantyhose. If other women laugh about that, they're not laughing at her. They're laughing with her. They're supporting her. So women's laughter tends to be based on true stories rather than jokes. It tends to be cooperative. It tends to be compassionate and supportive. And even when it's about something that might make a woman look stupid or somebody else look stupid, what they're really saying is, look, this happened to you today, but it happened to me last week, and it's going to happen to all of us. Uh, men tend to laugh in a way, like playing, uh, say, football or hockey, they tend to laugh in a way that reduces the status of the other person. And that's a huge difference between the two.
1: It, it sure is. And, you know, I'm listening to you and, uh, you know, I'm thinking about circumstances that I've seen and you're absolutely right, which it sort of explains to me how these sort of reality prank shows are so popular with men. And as you say, some of those pranks are really extreme and from my perspective, a little bit horrifying, um, but they're hugely successful And certainly the laughter that I personally experience uh, with girlfriends is very much uh, sort of sharing stories of, uh, you know, and there's sort of self-deprecating kinds of stories about things that have happened to us, and it's a means of connection. So it seems like it serves almost a different purpose for men and women.
2: Yes, you you, nailed it. Uh, Here I could get kind of scientific on you and bring in an evolutionary theory, which I think explains this difference really nicely. Uh, Psychologists and other people who study human evolution uh, suggest that this is how humor got started among human beings. Humor started as a form of sexual attraction between men and women. Uh, That's borne out pretty well today, that uh, when people uh, laugh at each other's stuff, Uh, that's got a a strong correlation with how likely they are to go on, for example, and get married. Uh, So men find women attractive when they laugh. A lot of studies have shown that. And a woman who laughs at what a man is doing or saying is more likely to have a long-term relationship with him. Now, how could this be explained through evolution? Well, in evolution, uh, men had to compete with each other to mate with women, just like uh, elk and deer and bears and everybody else, uh, men had to engage in what's called sexual selection. They had, they had to attract the attention of a female to get her to mate with him. Well, in that process, showing a sense of humor uh, was an attractive quality. It shows a certain cleverness. It shows uh, that you are adaptable. It shows that you can see things one way and then see them another, the way that joking often works. So the idea is that like big muscles and like intelligence, <laughs> uh, a sense of humor was something that attracted women. Now, women themselves didn't have to be funny to, uh, to get men, I mean, to uh, be attracted to, to men. So women's humor was not valued in human evolution. Men didn't say, what I'm really looking for is a woman who is very, very funny and can make me laugh.
0: <laughs> what women
2: uh, were looking for was a whole bunch of things, but among them was this ability to make them laugh. This is borne out in lots of surveys today. When they ask women what they're looking for in a man, humor often comes up. That is humor production. Men very seldom say, I'm looking for a woman who's really funny. In fact, a woman who's really funny is very likely to compete with them. It's like mm-hmm. having a, a hockey somebody on the hockey rink who can shoot better than I can. If she's a woman, well, um, that doesn't, that's not attractive to me. Anyway, so this theory suggests that uh, humor evolved differently uh, between men and women, and that's why we've got such big differences, like men, are, men engage in put-down humor. Put-down humor between men would be a way of ending up uh, the top person to mate with the women. Um, so anyway, that's the explanation that some psychologists have.
1: Uh, and it's a great explanation that seems to make sense, but then I, I have to say I'm a little bit confused. So if women sure. are uh, looking for uh, men who make them laugh, but the kind of humor that men are producing, this put-down humor or more competitive humor, is not necessarily the kind of humor that women appreciate, how does that work?
2: That, that's, uh, that's the paradox, and that's the hard one. Uh, women who are attracted to men uh, for say putting down other men, they seem to be in a, in a they seem to be contradicting themselves. If women's humor is supportive and compassionate, this would be seem to be the exact. So there's a real tension here. Uh, I find that the women the kind of humor that women are most attracted to is not the heavy duty mockery or teasing or clever insults or practical jokes. Uh, a, a good example here. Is, the, is those old movies that came out of the States, The Three Stooges. Uh, I have a friend, Regina Barreca, who has a wonderful book on women's humor. It's called, they used to call me Snow White, but I drifted. Uh, anyway, Regina says that the, <laughs> easiest, the easiest way to distinguish between men's humor and women's humor is men love the Three Stooges, and women can't stand the Three Stooges. The Three Stooges, of course, is based on insults, bonking each other with hammers and frying pans, and women can't stand So you, you hit the nail on the head when you said there's a real tension here between women liking men's humor, but not, I mean, liking men who are funny, but not liking the style of a lot of men's humor. So the most attractive kind of man is the one who is funny, but not funny in a hostile or a competitive way, but one who is funny in a more supportive, compassionate Cooperative
1: with. true, from personal experience <laughs> okay yeah, 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 absolutely it definitely is true. Um, and so I, I suppose there's also been a difference between the kinds of humor that uh, men and women are using uh, amongst you know men and women singularly or when they're in mixed company so it's sort of an additional benefit to a man who is able to actually adapt and modify uh, their, their use of humor or sense of humor.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, when people have been together, well, when men and women are in mixed company, a lot of studies have shown uh, men's humor tends to go toward the women's style. It tends to be less uh, mockery, less teasing, less put down, less competitive and tends to be more based on stories. Women prefer true stories to fictional stories like jokes. Uh, And women, as I said, prefer humor that doesn't humiliate anybody. So in mixed company, you get a quite different style of men's humor. And that shows just what you said, which is that men can adapt. (laughs) They can change. They can modify uh, other style. Uh, There's also a long-term effect of, of changing when men and women are together for a long time, say, in, say, a 50-year marriage, uh, men's humor in the beginning may be physical and slapstick and uh, wacky and not too female style. But that kind of humor, if, if they were to keep that up over years, uh, that, that tends to predict the breakup of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So uh, men's humor that continues in this uh, put-down, competitive, even hostile way it, that's correlated with divorce, for example. So what, what happens in a long-term relationship is men, once they've secured the woman, once they're in the relationship, they use humor less to show off and more to support and share the person that they're in love with. Uh, so what happens is men's humor tends to become more like women's humor over a long-term relationship.
1: Interesting. And and what, what role I – mean, I mean women do produce humor they they don't just oh, appreciate yeah. the men who are making them laugh um what yeah. role does humor play for women in a in a long term relationship? How is that different
2: yeah uh quite a few studies have shown that uh, the, the the most the most significant feature of the relationship is a women's humor so The the best marriages, the longest-lasting, at least the longest-lasting marriages, are those in which the women's humor is dominant and in which the women's style of humor is dominant. So what's that style? That style, for example, when there's illness in the family, when there's an economic crunch, uh, when there's a personal tragedy. So women tend to use humor in those situations, sort of the way I I describe visiting my friend is, going to die of cancer. Uh, Humor that's supportive and compassionate is the style that has the strongest correlation with a long-term marriage. Uh, A man's style of humor, uh, if that's the dominant form of humor, either with the man or the woman, uh, that is correlated with divorce. Um, So, women's style of humor tends to be, let's describe what happens, but let's not be overcome by it emotionally. Uh, One of the features here is that humor has a strong opposition to fear and anger and stress. Uh, In your body, for example, when you laugh about something rather than get stressed out about it, your immune system is increased. If you're stressed out by something, your immune system is suppressed. Your muscle tension uh, increases when you're stressed out about things. After you laugh about something, your muscle tension is below normal and can stay below normal for over half an hour. So if you look at what tension and stress and negative emotions like fear and anger, what they look like in the body, uh, it's the opposite of humor. So humor in a long-term relationship helps people get through the toughest times. And that's not just a male or female thing. That's just a general human feature of humor. Psychologically, too, Humor and stress and humor and fear and anger and negative emotion are, are opposite. Uh, when you are stressed out by something, you feel like it controls you and you feel like a victim. When you laugh about something, you feel a measure of control. Now, you don't really have control when you joke about uh, a problem you've got, um, but you, your brain feels better. Uh, the first guy who... Observe this with Sigmund Freud, uh, psychotherapy. So uh, the style of humor that has the the best uh, survival in a long-term relationship is the supportive, cooperative, compassionate style where we look at a problem together and we laugh about it rather than get stressed out by it.
1: Makes, makes sense. It's interesting to me, you know, it's been about five years that I've been sort of studying humor a bit more, but it's interesting how uh, men and women or women in the situation that you're describing use humor for that purpose without necessarily, sort of instinctual, without necessarily understanding everything that you've just described so clearly and so sort of scientifically that there's something instinctual that they just do it because it is effective, I suppose.
2: Right. Right. If you look at the very earliest humor that you experienced, it was probably with your mother. Uh, when babies are born, uh, it takes them about four months uh, for their first laugh. And I, I, don't know if you have kids, but I can remember uh, when I, I knew all this when our son was born, and we we were just waiting for him to laugh. But he had colic and he had indigestion, so he didn't laugh till he was six months old, and I, I was. I was quite willing to put him up for adoption because he was so gross. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, But when when he finally laughed at age six months, it wasn't in his mother's arms. It was in his grandmother's arms. And when he first laughed with her, it just it just changed everything. So the, the first <laughs> laughter that a baby experiences is, is probably with a female, a mother and a gra- or a grandmother. And then the mother... Uh, does all kinds of things to get the baby to produce more laughter to you know to boo all of that stuff the very earliest laughter um, is this this bonding kind of experience and that's something that uh, increases then then of course when a kid learns to talk then they can they can do puns and jokes and stuff like that so humor uh, from the very beginning of life is a, a strong bonding experience and if you think about People that you can't stand, if you have to go to dinner with somebody that you work with, and you can't stand that person, you're not going to laugh with them. So if if you and I are fighting, uh, laughter is going to be the first thing that's going to die. And if we're getting back together, it's the first thing that comes back. So, bond the bonding function of humor, which is largely the the woman's female function, uh, is it's essential to human life.
1: Oh, yes, it is. It is. And I often say to people, you know, I I know things are okay when the laughter is there. Um, So I can completely relate to what you're saying. You mentioned at the top of the show uh, when you were talking about sort of how uh, the production of humor is received sort of historically differently by, you know, little boys or little girls, little girls who are perhaps more expected to be ladylike and it's not seen as ladylike. Do you find that there are generational differences when we think about that? Um, are you know are millennials different when we look at the gender roles and how they produce or appreciate humor? How how has it changed if it has?
2: Oh, that's excellent observation. Uh, so much of our um, so much of how we feel about humor and what we think about humor comes from the media. And for the millennials, uh, the media it now includes the internet even more than television. But uh, so the style of humor that you tend to associate with being a man or a woman uh, tends to be linked to the people that you've seen on television. And luckily, in the last thirty years, there have been many, many successful uh, female comics. Uh, if you go back to say, let's, let's go to 1970. In 1970 there were almost no successful female producers of humor. Uh, Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett, and then there were a few women who got laughs at their own expense. So if they made fun of women, they were okay. But that was, that was a male style of humor. So Phyllis Diller, uh, Joan Rivers, all of their jokes were about how they didn't like their body, how they were lousy, lousy cooks and mothers and sexual partners. <laughs> Uh, after 1970, you had a whole new generation of women. And and as I say, this is largely uh, on television, it's in film, it's now on the Internet. So today you've got countless women who uh, are role models for young girls. And so millennials have seen lots of successful female comics. And for them, that, that big difference that I talked about at the very beginning it's a much fuzzier line and they're much more accepting of female comics today. So um, one of my very favorites out of Canada in the 1980s was that group called Second City. Uh, Mm -hmm. There they had just two stars, Catherine O'Hara and Andrea Martin. And they did all kinds of, both of them have done films since then. Uh, They just opened up kinds of um, doors for female comics after that. So, to put it really simply, uh, you have role models for humor the same as you have role models for being a doctor or being educated or getting married. You've got role models for everything. And your role models for humor are probably going to be in film, on the Internet, and on television. And luckily there's a lot, lot more. Um, Another one contemporary is Tina Fey, who not only is funny – it not only acts funny, but also produces and directs and writes and all that other stuff. The the very first woman who who broke through this uh, barrier was in the 1930s. Um, she's not remembered very much today, but her name was Mae West. And May mm-hmm. West uh, was she, she was hysterical. She wrote, she produced, she starred in, and when she didn't get her way, she would uh, she would fire people. So she acted in a way that was very much like the men of her period, uh, but she was very successful. And um, since the, since 1970, many more women have become successful, and they're the role models for millennials and, and the rest of us.
1: And that is uh, that is certainly good news, and I agree. it's It's so nice to see all these women sort of being more successful in the field. Has it actually changed, though? I mean, I think they are role models for women, and women really they really resonate amongst women. Has it changed, however, um, men being threatened or not threatened by them? So I, I sort of see them as being successful, and women love them, but I'm not always sure that men respond to them as positively.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's a great observation. Uh, I think that some men still feel threatened by funny women, uh, in the same way that if they show up for hockey practice and there's a woman goalie, <laughs> they, they
0: feel threatened. Especially
2: <laughs> if she if she blocks every shot that they make. So uh, there still is this lingering uh, feeling that men have. That a woman's role is not to be funny, just as it's not to play hockey. Uh, the role of women is to consume my humor. Um, so there, there's a lot of that left over. Uh, there's a really good book here by Tina Faye, who, as I said, is one of the most successful of female comics. And her, her book is called Bossy Pants. And Bossy Pants is the name that she's known by in, in the TV industry because she directs, she produces, she fires people, she hires people. And if a man does that, well, he's just a good businessman. He's just, he's just male. But if a woman does that, she's, she's pushy, she's bossy. Um, and there's other words like bitch that are even stronger than that. So I think you're, I think you're right that some men uh, still feel threatened by a strong woman. I notice, for example, if I'm at a, at a party or a gathering, and there are four men out in the kitchen, um, and they're all engaging in humor and they're making each other laugh. If a woman comes into the room, if she were to just slide in and, and be funny herself, if some of the men will feel kind of awkward because, well, that's their realm. Uh, so I agree with you that there is a lingering, uh, there's a lingering of this old prejudice.
1: It's also interesting because sometimes um, there's there's a, a, a bit of a less tolerance i find on the part of men with the kind of humor that these women are allowed to produce so if men produce what would be sort of crude or mildly disgusting humor that's hilarious but you know you think of some of these scenes in in movies like bridesmaids or some of these things that are coming out being produced by women and it's like no 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 And, and you go back to this no no no, it's not ladylike uh it's still there
2: oh definitely definitely uh, men's humor has almost, there's almost nothing, there's almost no boundaries. Um, <laughs> if you think, for example, the re- recent, uh, um, I don't even know what to call it, with Donald Trump and those comments he made on the bus,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's just a horrendously offensive. And it's, it, I think it shows something about his character, he denies all this, of course. He just says, locker room banter. And what he meant by that was, this is just how I was being funny. And I didn't mean that I would actually done these things that I bragged about doing. So what he tried to do was laugh it off. He tried to laugh off the criticism. If a woman had made comments like that about a man, it wouldn't have even seemed to be funny. And women don't make those comments anyway. So um, I agree completely that uh, men are uh, – women are held a much – more stringent narrow standards. This is even more obvious in other cultures. I've done work in, uh, in Japan, and I've done a lot of studying of humor in, uh, in China. Uh, a woman in China or Japan who laughs openly with her mouth open is seen, is seen as promiscuous. She's probably a prostitute. Now, a man who laughs openly and doesn't cover his mouth and cover his teeth, well, he's just being a man. But a woman, it, 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 you, the word you use was ladylike. It isn't ladylike to laugh openly and to produce humor openly. So I agree with you that there, there are these, this prejudice and this, uh, this difference that it, it's very old. It's very ancient among um, human beings. And, but as I say, it's, uh, through the media, we're gradually uh, overcoming this. To me, the most encouraging thing about the media is that the old style of men's humor that focused on jokes has almost disappeared. I talked about 1970 as kind of the cutoff date. 1970 is the year that most people say modern feminism really took off in a big way. If you turned on the television in 1970 in Canada, the States, anywhere, and you saw a comedian, the comedian was probably telling jokes. And by a joke, I mean a story that obviously is fiction, that didn't happen to me, it didn't happen to you, we don't know who it is. So uh, a priest a rabbi and a minister are in a rowboat, right? (laughs) Now you know (laughs) that that isn't a story that that I experienced. Um, And it's got a punchline. So it goes on for about 50 seconds, and it's got a punchline. And it's usually set up, in threes, so it's a priest and minister. The priest says this, the minister says this. The rabbi says, you know, uh, that style of humor has just about disappeared. In 1970, that was the dominant style for all of humor. So prepared fictional jokes that have no relationship to the person who's telling them. Now, what's happened since 1980 or so, thanks to Catherine O'Hara and Andrea Martin and uh, all kinds of women who were successful is the story has come to become has has become the stand the the coin of the realm. So today, what comedians do is they put everything into a narrative format, and they tend to make it a story about themselves. So they don't say a guy walked into a bar and asked the bartender, blah blah blah. What they say is, oh, I stopped in this bar a couple of weeks ago, and blah blah blah. So even if they're telling a fictional story they make it about themselves and they pretend that it's true now that's much easier to get a laugh if i'm telling a story that you know is just i got it out of a book you're not going to be as interested as you would be if it happened to me or somebody in my family so women's style of humor is to tell stories about people they care about themselves their family their uh, people they love men the old style of men's humor was often jokes jokes have largely disappeared which i think is really encouraging so there's a blending of styles in which men's uh, humor has become more like women's humor
1: because we i think as humans you know we we want to connect with people and so it works when you can connect with whoever's delivering this observational uh, funny story and you can relate yeah. to them so, so for sure, things have changed. Uh, you know, it's, it's evolved. Humor and gender roles have evolved quite a bit, as you say, and there are certain art forms that are almost dying out. What do you see for the future? Is it going to continue to change? Do you have thoughts about where things might be heading?
2: I think it's changing in a, in a positive direction mostly. What, what I don't <laughs> like is the, the gross humor the the bathroom humor the cruel humor the so at the same time that some men's humor has become more compassionate more supportive more um beneficial there's a there's thick humor there's cynical humor there's put down humor there's uh when you look at some of these uh super violent television shows you don't have as many of them in canada but in the States on cable TV, you can, I almost throw up sometimes when I just flip through the channel. So people torturing other people and making funny supposedly. So, so sick humor, twisted humor, humor based on, um, what, what used to be called black humor. And that means humor that flirts with disgust and with fear and anger and all that stuff. Um, that is, that's on the increase. Uh, television uh, does far less censoring now of uh, material than it used to. Television producers do. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, there's some beneficial humor. The older style of male humor in extreme forms is is right alongside it. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the American TV program called Fear Factor. I don't even think it's still on, where they get people to do disgusting things. And then I guess you're supposed to laugh about it, like eat cockroaches, uh, they'll say, would you eat a cockroach for $10,000, and then you, and you watch your meeting? I mean, that's an old-style male practical joke kind of humor. Uh, and that, as I say, is, is survi- that has survived. So uh, I see some positive stuff in the future, and I hope this other stuff, I hope it dies out.
1: Um, <laughs>
2: by the way, all of this stuff has tremendous implications uh, for business and for the economy. I'll give you an example. About 10 years ago, I got a call from a major greeting card company in the States, and they had done several studies that found out that 80% of greeting cards, so birthdays, uh, Halloween, whatever, 80% of greeting cards are purchased by women. But they Mm -hmm. said, look at the guys, look at the people who are writing our cards, and they were almost all men. And the men's humor was often a put-down, either of the person who was receiving the card or a put-down of somebody else. So 80% of the market is women buying cards in the in the store, but the style of humor was often male. So here's what they did, and I, 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 was, I worked with them for a year. I said, change the style uh, to a female style of humor, but make it something that men can appreciate too. So this company... Uh, completely revamped their whole funny line of greeting cards, and what they added was uh, something called the Ellen line, and this was Ellen DeGeneres. Mm-hmm. And Ellen DeGeneres is a role model for the exactly the kind of humor I'm talking about. It's quirky, it's funny, uh, but it's not put down. It's not mockery of anybody. So the Ellen line is now 36 cards, and they're selling extremely well. So this this has a real implication for not just the media, but also for, well, things like greeting cards in our culture generally. Yeah,
1: that's that's interesting, actually, that people have to sort of evolve um, as the field evolves and as what people want to see and appealing to everybody is a is a real interesting challenge. Um, unfortunately, we are slowly running out of time here. I do have one other thing I wanted to ask because you were talking about um, – you know pushing the boundaries and how, as things are evolving, unfortunately, there's sort of this plethora of disgusting humor that seems to get a little more and more disgusting. Um, yes. and I fear that in sometimes some of these female comics, it almost feels like in order to be accepted or trying to push that same gross boundary, if I can put it that way. Yes. but humor has always had that role right in society of pushing boundaries and getting us to yes. kind of walks the edge. So is it not inevitable that that's always going to be there?
2: Yes. Yeah. What I'm talking about is, uh, what humor is beneficial and what humor isn't beneficial. The history of comedy has always been about pushing boundaries. Humor is based on what psychologists call incongruity. And that's a fancy word, but what it means is roughly something that violates your expectations. Uh, for something to make me laugh, what it does is it somehow surprises me, and I enjoy the surprise. So suppose there's a knock at the door. If I'm, going to, if I'm about to open the door, what my expectation is, it's going to be a person, and they're going to want to talk to me about something. Uh, if I open the door and it's a delivery guy, well, that's not funny. If I opened the door and it was our dog whapping her tail against the door, well, that at least is potentially funny. So humor's got two features. One, something catches me off guard. Something surprises me. Something violates my expectations. And secondly, I enjoy it. So humor, by its very nature, is a violating kind of thing. At least it violates some of your expectations. If you look at the history of comedy, a lot of... Comedy, going back to the ancient Greeks, uh, involved this male mockery. The earliest comedies were by a writer named Aristophanes, and he made fun of the, the leaders of the cities. He made fun of the king. He made fun of the philosophers. He even made fun of the gods. So uh, humor has always done what you said, which is push the boundaries, uh, even against uh, political Talking about the benefits of humor here, I don't mean to say that uh, comedy is no good um, if it involves these this boundary pushing.
1: It's, it's how it's pushed and what boundaries are being pushed. I think there's, there's sort of helpful, interesting, cerebral ways of pushing the boundaries that don't involve eating cockroaches. <laughs> good. Exactly. I, I can say it better myself. You've got it. So uh, I have to ask you, do you have a favorite joke?
2: Uh, Let me go back to Mae West. Uh, This is about 1935. She said, marriage is a great institution, but I'm not ready for an institution. Uh, What I I like about that is it takes something that everybody, at least in 1935, (laughs) valued, marriage, and it, it just does a complete reversal on it, right? You're, you're, it, notice also when you explain a joke, you wreck it. So it, it takes the <laughs> word institution, and it just does a complete flip on it. The other great thing about that joke that I like is its economy. Uh, Shakespeare said economy is the soul of wit. So marriage is a great institution. That's, a one, that's five words, but I'm not ready for So it's 11 words long. Um, so I like it because it surprises you. It challenges a a valued institution, uh, marriage, uh, and it's only 11 words long.
1: And it stands the test of time. And as people would say, you know, comedy is truth. (laughs) It probably applies there as well. That's wonderful. What a great example. Yeah. Unfortunately, we are running out of time, but uh, if people want to learn more about your work or get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Uh, I've got a a website, uh, HumorWorks, and I don't spell it in the Canadian way, but in the American way. So H-U-M-O-R-W-O-R-K-S, all one word, HumorWorks.com. And I've got a new book that is very accessible. It's got lots and lots of examples and stories. It's got a chapter about women's humor, uh, and it's called Laughing All the Way. Laughing All the Way is the book.
1: Wonderful, and I'm going to make sure that we include that information uh, in the notes of the show. I want to thank you again, Dr. Morrill, for taking the time this morning. What an interesting conversation, and I know many people in the field are uh, going to find a lot of food for thought in uh, what we shared this morning. So thank you.
2: Oh, thank you. You've been a delight to talk with.
1: (laughs) You have a wonderful rest of the day. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. That was Dr. John Morrill. So interesting. I'm going to be listening to that playback for sure to to make sure I pull out some of those tidbits for myself as I mull the subject over and over uh, in my own mind. Coming up next week, a show we have been anxiously awaiting. I personally have been anxiously awaiting Sharon Weinstein, author of the award-winning *B is for Balance, 12 Steps Toward a More Balanced Life, is going to be here to share a conversation about how life balance is not only essential to our uh, physical and mental and emotional and spiritual survival, but it is a lifestyle choice. I don't know about you, but this balancing act uh, is a bit of a daily battle for me, and one I fear I often lose and probably fall off the beam. So I truly can't wait to hear what Sharon has to say about this topic. You don't want to miss that. Uh, But in case you do, or in case you miss any episode of Morning Moments, don't forget that we are also available as a podcast archived uh, into eternity on iTunes, Stitcher, or CastBox, or other podcast services. So until next week, I'm wishing you a wonderful week. Laugh a little, love a lot, and breathe in between. This is Maya, and I am out.
0: feels like Sunday morning I still got my day job But I feel so free Baby, I